Hello, everybody. Welcome back in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. Apparently, there's some server issues that I didn't know about in my area. So we're trying this now. Audio only. It's just me. I'm not even going to risk any bandwidth going out with uh, bringing in Matt. So it's just going to be me, and we're going audio only for this. So hopefully, this will get it done and allow us to get through the show. Again, apologies. I was not aware that there were some server issues in my area. So we didn't have the bandwidth in order to bring everybody up. And unfortunately, this way you guys don't get to see me, but that's all right. You guys probably see me enough anyway, but let's go. We're going to do, yes, somebody just commented podcast live. That's right. We're still going to get to talk about Lakers basketball. That's the important thing here. So the Lakers do get the win over the Indiana Pacers. They get the win 122 to 115. Love that because it sets up a massive, massive day tomorrow. Guys, I cannot tell you how excited I am for tomorrow. It is going to be madness. There are so many different playoff races in the NBA that are undecided at this point, including the one that the Lakers are in. We're going to be doing a lot of scoreboard watching as we're checking out the Lakers take on the New Orleans Pelicans, which should be an exciting game in its own right. But for today's game, beyond just the fact that they got the win and what that means for the playoff race, the other important part of this was Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Dennis Schroeder all came back. And that's phenomenal. It's so important that these guys get back out on the floor with a little bit of time in order to get this done, in order to to get some rhythm so they can be ready to go for the playoffs. Um, and, And look, when we talk about these guys, I thought for the most part, they looked pretty good. A little bit of rust. I thought Dennis Schroeder, through a decent part of the game, looked more rusty than LeBron and AD. That's that's what I saw. I saw Dennis Schroeder. In fact, I was commenting a little bit with the guys from Lakers Nation, and I said Dennis Schroeder looks kind of like 80% of what he normally would be. And Ron Gutterman fired back. He said, he said Eddie 80 is probably being a little bit uh, optimistic. He looks more like 60%. And you know what? I thought he turned it on a little bit at the end. A little bit at the end, Schroeder finally got going. Three for nine shooting, 14 points tonight, four assists, one board. Remember, he was out due to COVID protocols, out with that 10 to 14 day period was what he fell under. So we can make some assumptions with that in terms of what exactly was going on. But again, nothing official. But he did look a, look a step slow out there, I thought. I thought that he looked a bit rusty, looked a little bit slow. Hopefully that's something where it just takes him a little bit of time to get his legs back under him and get going again. Anthony Davis, on the other hand, looked phenomenal, particularly particularly in that first half. AD was going berserk. 9 of 10 from the free throw line, getting to the line at will. 9 of 18 shooting, 10 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, 28 points for Anthony Davis. Love that. He really got it going. And then you had LeBron James, 11 for 22 shooting. How's that for efficiency? Both LeBron and AD shoot 50% from the field. LeBron had uh, had 24 points, one of four from deep. One of those, that deep three, though, was late in the game to help uh, seal the win. Seven boards, eight assists, four turnovers. Not bad. Not bad for, for LeBron. Somebody said LeBron doesn't look good. You know what? LeBron, he looked like he was kind of taking it easy out there. He looked like preseason LeBron, which how ridiculous is that? LeBron puts up 24, 7, and 8 on 50% shooting from the field, and we're saying he didn't look good. 
that he looked a little bit a little bit off. LeBron looked a little bit more rusty than Anthony Davis, which makes sense. Anthony Davis has played a lot more recently than than LeBron has. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, LeBron, though, still showed flashes, and we saw why he is such a major, major difference maker out there on the floor. I was excited just to have them out there. I'll say they also had moments where you can tell that the starting five had only played one game, one game together before this, before this today. And there were some moments where they looked confused, where they looked out of sync. And again, that's to be expected. And the hope for the Lakers is that they can knock off as much of the rust as possible before that happens. Um, Questions and comments, guys, coming in. I am going to be reading these as we go. I've got someone named Demon Child, got a Halloween name there from YouTube, said, I want the Clippers. Well, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find. You get what you need. Look it up. Uh, Look, the the Clippers, it's not going to happen now. It is impossible for the Lakers to play the Clippers in the first round. Will not happen. Because the Clippers put on that epic tank job. Ron Gutterman and I broke this whole thing down last night. You guys can check that out on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. But the bottom line is because the Clippers tanked that game like crazy last night to degrees that we haven't seen in a, in a while in terms of tanking. Wow, that, that was an epic tank job by the Clippers. They wanted no part of seeing the Lakers in round one, and they guaranteed that they will not by dropping that game that I didn't think they'd be able to lose. I didn't think they would be able to lose to the Rockets. They found a way, and they got that done. And so the Lakers are now not going to see the Clippers in round one. So that's where we're at. Uh, Nico Ortiz uh, de Vera said, Will Denver lose the game intentionally? Yes. So here's the other piece to this. The Denver Nuggets were pushed up to the three seed by the Clippers losing which is not where they ideally want to be. I'm sure they would rather be in the four spot. But here's the thing. If the Denver Nuggets win tomorrow, no matter what the Clippers do in their game, if the Denver Nuggets beat the Blazers tomorrow, they will be the three seed and most likely play the Lakers. That's what would be happening. So the Lakers, if they lose tomorrow, they're the seven seed. That's it. If the Lakers win and the Nuggets win, then the Lakers get the Nuggets in round one. And I think it's fairly likely if the if the Lakers are playing the Pelicans and if the Lakers play their guys, if you play everybody tomorrow, I think it's pretty likely the Lakers win that game. So if you're Denver, the Lakers and Pelicans and Nuggets and Blazers, those two games, they play at the same time tomorrow. If you're Denver and you play all of your guys, and you play to win, you are signing up to play the Lakers in round one. I think that's the way they have to approach it. If they go out and try to win that game, they are probably getting the Lakers in the first round instead of the Blazers or Mavs. I don't think that would be very smart from the Nuggets' perspective. However, there's some teams that kind of have this mentality of, we don't care what the odds say, we don't care who we will go up against, you play to win every single game. And as admirable as that may be, I still have a hard time believing that the Nuggets want to see the team that knocked them out of the Western Conference Finals last year in the first round of the playoffs. So I think the Nuggets will tank this game like crazy. Meanwhile, the Blazers, even if the Nuggets didn't tank, 
it's possible for the Blazers just to come in and beat them. Look, the Blazers went all out against the Phoenix Suns a couple of nights ago, lost on some Devin Booker free throws at the at, at the end of the game. And uh, and they were really upset about that because they don't want to be in the play-in tournament. They want to be the sixth seed. They want to be the sixth seed and not have to deal with the play-in tournament. And they are going to go all out. They're going to throw everything at the Denver Nuggets tomorrow night. And so it's possible that Portland just wins. It's possible Denver plays to win and Portland happens to to just win anyway. But I think when you combine the two things, Denver really has nothing to play for right now other than a first-round matchup with the Lakers. And the Blazers have everything to play for, right? Because if they don't win, then they are in the play-in tournament and they don't want to be there. And especially now that the Clippers most likely are cleared out of that three seed. Now I will say if Portland plays hard and beats the Nuggets and the Clippers that beat uh, their opponent, I want to say it's OKC tomorrow night, then that would invert things. And then that would push the Clippers back to three. So that's where it gets a little bit complicated. If you're Portland, I saw a lot of people on the Portland side, on the Portland side of things from Portland media saying, don't win before the Clippers lost to the Rockets saying, Portland Trailblazers, tank your game. Do not win against the Denver Nuggets. We want to be seven because we don't want to see the Clippers because the Clippers will be the three seed. So that makes it a little bit interesting if you're Portland in that if you decide to go for the win and the Clippers win and they're playing at the same time as well, they beat OKC, then you're sealing your fate into a first round matchup with the Clippers. Again, the Lakers can't be in that position because Denver would have to lose to get them. It gets very complicated very quickly, doesn't it? I hope I'm explaining this so that everybody can understand what, what's going on there. But in any event, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. Do the Nuggets play all their guys? Do the Lakers play all of their guys? I think they're going to take a wait-and-see approach and see how LeBron and everybody else is feeling after today's game. I think that they can use as much time out on the court together as possible. Like I said, this is seriously the second game that their starting five has played together this season. Their second game in a 70, what, 72 game season. They've played two games. And I know Andre Drummond came in part of the way through, but still, still. Frank Vogel said the decision, uh, according to our own Ryan Ward, decision on if Dennis Schroeder will play. Uh, tomorrow will come tomorrow. Uh, they're not going to make that right now. And I would imagine that's going to be their stance on everybody, on LeBron, on AD, all that stuff. They're not going to make those decisions known right now. If you are the Lakers, should you play them? Should you play those guys? If you're the Lakers, do you play your main guys? I would treat it as a preseason game, which means I would play them, but I would consider sitting them after the first half. Or if you want to play them both halves, I would play them more limited minutes uh, just because I think you want to get that rhythm. And if you really feel like the sixth seed is there, like if you look and Denver's up 20 at halftime or something like that, then I'm really pushing for the win in the second half because there is no, there's no negative anymore for the Lakers getting the, the sixth seed. This is what we were saying just a few days ago was the downside of getting the sixth seed is you're probably getting the Clippers in the first round. And in my mind, I see it as the West as Lakers and Clippers. And then you have the the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Suns in, in a different tier. 
which is how we saw things coming into the season. And I could be wrong, right? I mean, Utah's had a tremendous season. The, the Suns have been great. Denver has been remarkably resilient after losing uh, Jamal Murray. But I do think it's going to be advantageous for the Lakers to move up to six. There's no downside now in terms of, well, you're not ready to see the Clippers yet in round one. Instead, you get the Clipper. If you move up to six, you wouldn't have to see the Clippers until the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, that would be the Lakers' path. If they move up to sixth, the Lakers' path would be Denver, would be Denver in round one. It would be probably Phoenix in round two. And then round three would be the Clippers. Doesn't sound too bad to me. Uh, Billy Mazarego said, Trevor, at this point, I'm more nervous about the play-in than the first round. Uh, so you're more nervous about the play-in. So that's the other thing. That's that's the other thing that's going to be so much fun to watch is the play-in tournament. Because tomorrow night, actually I think it's tomorrow afternoon, the Grizzlies and Warriors play. And that game will decide who is 8th and who is ninth. And there's a huge difference. Huge. 8th seed has to win one game. One game and they get two shots. To win one game in the play-in tournament to make the playoffs. The nine seed is in single elimination. If they lose, they're out, period. So there's a big difference between eighth and ninth in terms of the play-in tournament. And tomorrow night, the Grizzlies and the Warriors play, and whoever wins will be the eighth seed heading into the play-in tournament. So if you're worried about the play-in tournament, my guess is most Lakers fans would probably prefer to see Memphis win that game tomorrow night. And therefore, if the Lakers do wind up in the play-in tournament, they get the Grizzlies in the first round of, of that tournament. Otherwise, the NBA kind of gets their way. Like, how badly does the NBA want it to be Golden State versus LA versus the Lakers in the first round of the play-in tournament if the Lakers find themselves in the seventh seed? That would be that would be probably my buddy Keith Smith, who hosts the NBA front office show with me. Uh, we put out a new episode yesterday, which you can find right here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Uh, he threw out the comment earlier today on Twitter that Lakers Golden State in the play-in tournament would be the most watched game of the playoffs up until the finals. Unless unless you get like Lakers Nets in the finals, Lakers Golden State in the play-in game would be the most watched game of the playoffs. Like the NBA has to be absolutely salivating at the thought of Lakers Warriors in the play-in tournament, that kind of drama, LeBron versus Curry, all that kind of stuff. So I I think there's a decent chance it winds up being the Warriors there. And that's why I can understand if you're a little bit nervous about the play-in tournament, because on any given night, Curry can go for 50 and there's not much you can do about it. And then you've got you know some problems to deal with. That said, I feel like the Lakers should, whether it's the Warriors or the Grizzlies, the Lakers should win that game. Key word there, though, is should. You don't want to put yourself in a situation, though, where Curry suddenly gets hot, and then next thing you know, you've got to play another game, and then there's really no rest. There's no break. If you play both games of the play-in tournament, there's no break, really, before the playoffs start. If the Lakers get the sixth seed, they get almost a week off, and I think that would be very beneficial for them. So again, right now, we should all, Lakers fans, should all be Denver Nuggets fans and hoping that the Nuggets get the win over the Blazers tomorrow night. Uh, 
Uh, somebody asking, how did LeBron and AD do? I thought, I thought overall, AD looked better than LeBron in terms of how close they were to 100%. I thought AD was probably like 90 out of 100. If 100% is like playoff Anthony Davis from last year, if that is 100, I thought the AD we saw today was like 90, maybe, maybe 85 because there were some defensive miscues. I thought LeBron was probably, um, more like 70, probably 70 out of 100, LeBron. And, and again, that was to be expected, to be expected. And he still, still made a big impact, even though he was only at like 70% of LeBron James. Uh, somebody said Denver will throw this game. Watch. Yeah, look, I think, I think it makes all kind of sense for the Nuggets to go ahead and, and throw that game. And I guess not throw tank, whatever you want to call it, rest players, load management. Strategically, that makes the most sense. But again, there's some teams out there that don't want to do that. You know, Terry Stotts, the head coach of the Blazers today, put out a statement saying that that's messing with karma when you do that, that you should go out there and try to win every game. But of course, his team is in a position where they're going to go out there and try to win, right? Most likely, unless they really are worried about the Clippers somehow winding up in three seed. But he said they're going to go out there and play to win. So we'll see what winds up happening there. Aaron Escher from Facebook. Would you rather face Utah or Phoenix? I would rather see Phoenix. I would rather see Phoenix. And that's because of the inexperience. Chris Paul is incredible. Chris Paul is a veteran. He's been there, done that, right? But the rest of the team hasn't. You look at, you know, they had some experience in the bubble. They went 8-0 in the bubble last year. So there's a little bit of experience there. But overall, it's a pretty young group. You know, you're talking about DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges and and players like that who have had really good seasons, but you don't just don't have a lot of playoff experience there. And we've seen year after year after year that matters. Playoff experience matters. Remember, uh, what was it, back in 2010 when the Lakers ran into the Oklahoma City Thunder? And the Thunder were good, but the Lakers were able to get past them just because the Thunder were inexperienced. The Lakers had the confidence in crunch time and everything. They had the veteran team, and they were able to get through. You see this happen with teams. Uh, you look at the the late 90s Lakers with Shaq and Kobe kept running into the Utah Jazz and couldn't get through because they were that young team that just hadn't taken their lumps in the playoffs yet. And then in 2000, they broke broke through. That's how kind of how I see the Suns. Not saying they're going to be a championship team in the future, but I'm saying they're they're young, and that matters come playoff time. The Utah Jazz have a little bit more experience. You've got Mike Conley. You've got Donovan Mitchell has is a bit more seasoned, certainly than a guy like a, like DeAndre Aiden or someone like that. Uh, Bogdanovich is a guy who's been around for a while. Rudy Gobert as well. There's just a bit more seasoning there compared to the Suns. So I would rather see Phoenix personally than the Jazz. Although I would favor the Lakers over either of them. Uh, Brandon Cook, if Denver tanks, should Joker be docked his MVP push? No, I don't think they're going to take the MVP away from Jokic for one game. You know, like if, if they say, if the Denver Nuggets say, you know what, we're going to rest Jokic tomorrow. He's not going to lose the MVP because of that, because they decide to rest of one game. That's, that's not going to happen. There's too many teams that do that. I mean, look, the Clippers just did that. Right, The Clippers did that last night. They shut down everybody. Ivica Zubats played three minutes. Marcus Morris played nine. Nine. They played a guy named Jay Scrub. Who actually played pretty well, but I would have thought he was like a 2K creative character. 
they literally played a guy named Scrub for 40 minutes last night. The Clippers, the Clippers took tanking to a new level last night. And nobody's going to get mad at them. Maybe Nuggets fans. But other than that, I don't think anybody's going to get mad at them. And again, guys, it's nothing against. It's it's more just his last name happens to be Scrub, but he actually played really well. Uh, Aaron Escher from Facebook. Why did Marcus Saul not get any minutes? So I'm curious to see if Frank Vogel has any comments on that. Um, you know the the Pacers were missing Domitas Sabonis. They were also missing Miles Turner. Their big guys weren't there. And so if you're playing a team that's going to go small, it made a lot of sense for... Wait, what? I'm sorry, guys. I'm just seeing this. This popped up here on Twitter. It makes sense to go Montrez Harrell over... This is crazy. Albert Pujols has agreed on it to an agreement with the Dodgers. I got to hit up the guys at Dodger Blue. Like, how is coming from the Angels and they're signing him for the rest of the season? Wow. That is that is a Major League Baseball shocker. Sorry, I know. Basketball show. But, yeah, that, that's pretty crazy news coming out of MLB. Uh, anyway, it made sense to go with a smaller, more versatile uh, on on the defensive side of things, Montrezl Harrell, than to go with Marcus Gasol. And I think Frank Vogel probably recognized that. I would imagine you probably see Marcus Gasol more tomorrow against the Pelicans. And that and that's the way we'll, he'll go with things. Uh, somebody said the Lakers will be most vulnerable. Brian Wasserman said the Lakers will be most vulnerable in the first round. So maybe Denver will want to take advantage of that. I suppose you could talk yourself into that. But again, the Denver Nuggets got bullied pretty badly by the Lakers in the playoffs last year. And I'm sure that's not a fond memory of theirs. And if they can spend the first round of the playoffs against somebody else and let someone else take a shot at the Lakers and potentially make, you know, make the Lakers go through the play in tournament first and foremost, before any of that happens, before they have to see the Lakers, I would think they they would rather do that. I would think anyway. Uh, Rody Outlaw from YouTube said, Trevor, I still don't, sometimes I don't understand Vogel's rotation. Yeah, here's the thing. So Frank Vogel's rotation is, uh, it's been perplexing, right? There, there's been moments where you look at it and it's hard to see exactly what he's searching for out there. And that's understandable given everything that's that's gone on. I mean, they how often have they had a full complement of players? How many different starting lineups? I don't know the answer to this. This is just rhetorical. I'm sure someone knows this. But how many different starting lineups have the Lakers had this season? In 72 games, how many times have they put out a starting lineup that they hadn't used before? I would imagine the number's like pretty high. So it's hard if you're a coach to really develop any kind of standard substitution pattern when you don't know night in or night out who's going to be there. Like even look tonight, Alex Caruso was rested in this one to to uh, you know deal with his foot, and if he was there, the rotation tonight would have looked. I keep saying tonight, then the rotation this morning, this afternoon would have looked very different. And so I think that that explains at least somewhat why Vogel's rotations have been so inconsistent. He has said. He knows what his playoff rotation is. He already has a plan. 
I do not think we've seen that yet. Perhaps we see that tomorrow. Maybe we see a test run for his playoff rotation tomorrow. Typically, when teams talk about their playoff rotation, they remove guys. They remove guys from the rotation, and they only play like eight guys, sometimes nine. Vogel has regularly been playing 10 or 11 guys most of the season. Some games we've even seen 12. Today, he played 10. I'm curious to see what Vogel's playoff rotation looks like. And then we'll, I think we'll get a good idea of who he trusts. Notice there was no Markeith Morris tonight. And Markeith Morris was starting last game. Uh, there was no Marcus All, no Alex Caruso. All three of those guys could very well be part of that playoff rotation. Who isn't part of it? I think that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to look at. By the way, let's do, let's still do this. The next man up award. I'm not going to risk going to the graphic or anything like that since we're having these server issues, so I don't have much bandwidth going out. But let's do the next man up. So not LeBron, not Anthony Davis. Who was the next best Laker? Who stepped up as that third guy? Who stepped up tonight for LA? Again, I keep saying tonight, this morning, this afternoon. Who really stepped up? I think you can make an argument for two players. Okay, no, wait, three, sorry. Three players that you can make an argument for. And these three players to me are Andre Drummond, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Taylor Horton-Tucker. I thought THT had some nice moments out there. 11 points, two assists, three of five shooting, two of two from deep. Nice shooting from three there. I thought KCP in the third quarter, he really picked it up. I thought KCP's stretch in the third might have been the most impactful segment by any non-star Laker, when he really got things going, he was hitting shots with confidence. The Lakers offense was starting to sputter and then he caught fire, made some big plays there. I did think he got burned a few times defensively though. And again, so did Dennis Schroeder. Andre Drummond, meanwhile, keeps trucking along. 15 boards, 11 assists, 15 rebounds. Like how ridiculous is that? And then four of them on the offensive glass. And again, the Pacers were undersized, but you got to love that. Um, And then you had two blocks as well. For Drummond. So I thought overall it was a good performance from him. And we saw in this game how Drummond can be more valuable when LeBron and Anthony Davis are on the floor, right? Like Drummond's flaws get magnified when he's the guy out there. When there's no AD, when there's no LeBron, and sometimes the Lakers offense has to go through Drummond, that's when you really notice his flaws. You don't notice them quite as much when LeBron and AD are drawing the attention and Drummond can just do the simple things, which is what we were hoping for. So overall, out of those three guys, I am ultimately going to go KCP as my next man up because I felt like he kind of kicked into playoff mode KCP. But I think either of the other two would also be very, very deserving. Really, I look at it as a three-way tie. I just lean, lean KCP because I went, wow, he turned on playoff mode KCP. And hopefully that's what we're going to get from him uh, in just a week here. Now, I'll also say... My favorite moment of the game, out of all the lobs, and we and the Lakers just scored point after point after point in the paint. It was fantastic. But my favorite moment of the game was when LeBron drove the lane, did the low rip through, and then the backhand reverse right-hand layup. The THT special. He finished it and won. And what did he do? He takes a couple of steps towards the Lakers bench, 
and he points at THT, who was busy flexing and celebrating LeBron scoring that basket. He gave him credit because LeBron knew he used THT's move on the Pacers and got the and one. And so that was that was very, very cool to see that LeBron, like he overtly ripped off Casey or THT, THT's signature move and then made sure he went over and gave him credit for it. I, I definitely enjoyed that moment. Uh, somebody asked, is Portland going to rest their starters? No. So I do not think they are going to. In fact, based on what Terry Stotts said earlier today, based on what Stotts said, they won't. He's, he basically spoke ill of teams who do that, said karma will come back and get you if you tank games and that he won't do that. But again, I think for the most part, the Blazers are in a situation where they want to win that game. The downside, of course, is I don't think the Blazers want to see the Clippers. And if they win, they put themselves in a better likelihood of seeing the Clippers. Okay, Because if the Clippers beat OKC, the Blazers beat the Nuggets, that would put the Clippers back in back in the three seed. So it's an interesting conundrum, but it sounds like the Blazers are indeed going to go for the win. Uh, somebody asked, why didn't Jared Dudley play? I don't know. Uh, I, you know, he put out there on social media that it was nice to be back in uniform. Didn't, didn't mean that he was going to be getting on the floor today. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. My email, Trev, do you agree with Vegas that the Nets are the favorites? Oh, speaking of Vegas, the Lakers were the six and a half point favorite in this game. They just barely cover. They win by seven. That was according to Odd Shark. Um, do I agree with Vegas that the Nets are the favorites? No. And I, this may come back to haunt me. I don't think the Nets get through the East. There, I said it. I don't think the Nets get through the East. I don't think the Nets make it to the to the finals. And again, I could be wrong, and I see a way that I could be wrong. But the playoffs, the old refrain has always been defense wins championships, and the Nets' defense is terrible. It's terrible. And I just think at some point, that and the fact that they haven't had their three stars together for a good chunk of the season which look, that's a negative for the Lakers too. They haven't had a lot of their stars together for most of the season, uh, but they haven't had their stars together. I think at some point that chemistry is going to come back to haunt them against a team that can really lock in defensively. And I'm looking at the Bucks and I'm looking at the 76ers as being the teams that could upset the Brooklyn Nets. And currently the Nets are sitting in the two seed, which means they're probably going to have to go through both of them. So right now, let's say it's Nets Celtics in round one because the Celtics survived the play-in tournament and they get the seventh seed. The Nets are sitting in the two seed. The Nets are going to cruise through that. But then Milwaukee is the three. So it'll be the Nets and the Bucks in round two and the Nets and the 76ers in round in the finals, in the Eastern Conference finals. And I think those two teams are really good defensively and have the ability to potentially lock down. Now, where I could be wrong in this where I could be very wrong, is that Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, all three of them have the ability to get the basketball. I don't care what the offense is. Just get away from them. Just spread the offense. All three of them have the ability to create offense on their own. You don't even really have to have a true offensive system. Steve Nash can just say, timeout. Okay, this play, give the ball to KD. Okay, this play, give the ball to James Harden. And those guys can create one-on-one and create efficient offense. There's not many teams that have one guy who can do that or two guys. They have three. 
who can create offense out of nothing on their own. It's possible that that much offensive firepower simply outweighs their defensive issues to such a high degree that it doesn't matter. I tend to believe that the defensive issues will come back to haunt them and will cause the Nets not to make it into the NBA Finals. I think it's going to be the Bucks or the 76ers representing the East in the Finals. But again, I will freely admit that there is a path here for me to be wrong, and that is simply the Nets' offense being so good that their defense doesn't matter. Yeah, Black Mamba uh, 0824, which is a great number, uh, said the Nets defense is poor, but their offense makes up for it. Yeah, I, look, I agree. I, and again, that is, that's the hope for the Nets is that their offense is just so good that the defense doesn't matter as much. I don't think we've seen very, that happen very often, though, in the playoffs where a team can be terrible defensively and still make a lot of noise come playoff time. Hey, some people saying, I don't care, still scared about the Nets. I get it. That's a, that's a lot of talent. That's a lot of talent together. And that might, that might just be the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Having that much offensive talent together might be enough. We'll see. Somebody said, are we supposed to be seeing the post-game screen? Yeah, guys, we were having some issues. There's a server out around me that I wasn't aware of, so we weren't able to do video. So that's why we're we're audio only today. So if you're just jumping in, that's why you guys don't see me. That's why I don't have Matt Peralta with me, who's all lined up to come on here. Uh, We were having that issue. So unfortunately, we're audio, audio only for this one. So that's what's going on. Uh, Dan, Don Duke said, do you still think the seven seed is our best path? No, I don't. I have now changed that. That has been completely changed. He said, I'd rather not have to play in that Denver atmosphere with Braun and AD, not properly conditioned, particularly without home court. I fully understand that, but I do think the six seed is our best path. Now, if the six seed meant playing the Clippers in round one, and I know those are all technically home games. I don't, I feel like the Clippers will punish you for your mistakes more than some other teams, particularly with the way they shoot the three. And I know the Lakers are going to make mistakes in round one because they're not going to have their legs under them. They're not going to have, be fully in rhythm. It's going to take some time to build up. And so I want to play a more forgiving team. And with that being the case, I didn't want to see the Clippers in round one. And so that's why I was on board with staying at seven. Now, that three, if the Lakers move up to six, three will be the Denver Nuggets. I'm more okay with that. I feel like the Lakers have a mental edge over the Denver Nuggets. I feel like the matchup is a lot better for the Lakers than the matchup against the Clippers. So I am very much on board, and I do think that there's some some extra goodies in there if you can move up to six, and that's that you get a week off almost, which I think this team could use to get everybody healthy and to practice and to get used to each other and all of that sort of stuff. So you get a week off. And then you are also your, your playoff path. If you're in the three, six side of the bracket is it will be Denver. If you get through Denver, you're probably looking at Phoenix in round two. I like that path better than a path coming from the seventh seed where the Clippers have moved up to three and you're getting the Clippers in round two. So your path would be Phoenix in round one, Clippers in round two, and then whoever else has survived. In round three. Again, I'd rather put off the Clippers as long as possible because I think that's the most difficult matchup. I'm not saying the Lakers can't beat the Clippers. 
absolutely think they can. But I think that's the most difficult matchup in the West right now for the Lakers. Uh, Dino or Dino from YouTube said, I don't really believe in ducking any potential opponent being uh, bring them on whoever they may be. I totally understand that. I get that line of thinking that, Hey, bring it on. I can take on anybody. Let's go. I understand. I just look at it analytically. I want the easiest path. I want the easiest path through because I know the injuries this team has dealt with. I know that it's going to take some time to build a rhythm. And I know that the best teams and the teams that are tough matchups will punish you for your mistakes, and the Lakers are going to make mistakes. They're going to. And so I think they need to go up against some more forgiving teams in order to get through. But that said, I totally understand the line of thinking that, hey, if you're the champion, you take on all, all challengers. I get it. I, I hope that's the Lakers' mentality, that they're fine with taking on whoever. But again, from a fan perspective, my goal my goal is to see the Lakers raise number 18, an NBA record. I want to see number 18 hanging in the rafters. I'm going to pass the Boston Celtics. I want that to happen. And I want to make that as likely as possible to happen. And that means finding the best path through to me. Uh, John Chung said, outside of the Denver matchup, do you expect AD to start at five the rest of the way through? In the playoffs, I don't think so. I think the Lakers have done too much work trying to see Andre Drummond at the five to do that. But I do think that in the in certain matchups, we're going to see AD play the bulk of the minutes at the five. It just depends on who they're playing. Uh, for example, like I don't think you know in crunch time against anybody, you're probably going to see AD at the five. But and, and you can make the argument: look, if the Clippers go back to starting Serge Ibaka, if that's what they're going to do, maybe you go AD at the five there. But I think in general, you're probably going to see, you're probably going to see Andre Drummond in there. Uh, the Nuggets, in particular, being one, and then Rudy Gobert with the with the Jazz. Uh, you're probably going to see him there too. Although I think the answer to a lot of these teams is to put AD at the five, AD against Gobert, AD against DeAndre Aiden, AD against whoever else you want to throw him up against. Yusuf Nurkic, right? So. I do think he might be the ultimate answer, but I don't know that you have to change your starting lineup in order to optimize that. I think it's just something you lean on down the stretch. So I do expect to see a lot of AD at the five. Davis is going to take that position quite a bit, but I think Andre Drummond is going to be the starter, and then the Lakers will go from there. All right, we're going to do... Let's do... Let me do this. Let's do the master lock of the night. And it's really the master lock of the day, I suppose, here for this one. But master lock of the day, again, I'm not going to risk going to the graphic or anything like that because we're sticking audio only right now. But let's talk about who deserves to be put into the master lock from this game. I'm curious now. Matt Peralta told me he had a really good master lock uh, candidate before we came on here. And now I'm curious about who it was. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to stick with me for this. but. The master lock of the of the afternoon, I, su- I suppose. For me, oh, I've got a lot of people saying Kyle Kuzma. I didn't think... So Kyle Kuzma didn't put up much in terms of the, the counting stats, right? Six points, one board, one assist in 22 minutes. I understand that, but I also say he didn't go out there gunning, thinking, oh, I haven't shot the ball in a while. Let me just fire something up. So that's a positive. 
I don't think I can master lock a Laker, a Laker right now. I am going to put the master lock on Jakar Sampson. Jakar Sampson, nine of 13, three boards, 20 points. Why is it? Why does this always happen to the Lakers? Where a guy who most people, most people who don't like study this obsessively would have never heard of, like random player. Don't get me wrong. Jakar Sampson is talented, but a player who is not necessarily well-known around the league tends to just blow up against the Lakers. We see these weird random blow-up games where somebody goes nuts, and next thing you know, the Lakers either drop a game or it makes the game a lot closer than it should be. Jakar Sampson putting up 20 points, doing so much damage in the paint. Somebody put the master lock on this man and slow him down because he was that guy today against the Lakers. By the way, also... I wouldn't put him in the master lock. Shout out Karis LeVert. So great to see him back out there and playing and playing well after everything he's been through. Um, That trade in the end may have actually saved his life because of the medical review, finding what was going on on his kidney. But 28 points, 12 assists, five boards. He was tremendous tonight. And my goodness, maybe Karis LeVert put the master lock on the Houston Rockets. What were the Rockets thinking? Why They could have just taken Karis LeVert. Instead, they said, no, we don't want Karis LeVert. Give us Victor Oladipo, who then they later traded away for Kelly Olenek. And that trade didn't even work out for the Miami Heat because now Oladipo is, is done for the season due to injury. Somehow the Rockets like got the better of that trade. But my goodness, you traded James Harden, and the guy you didn't want just put up 28-12 and 12 on the Lakers. And that's the guy you said, no, oh, we could have him, but no, but no thanks. Let's send him somewhere else. And then Jared Allen has been good for the Cleveland Cavs. He's been good. And they also said, nah, let's let's route him somewhere else. The best pieces went to Indiana and went to Cleveland, and the Rockets didn't get either of them. Houston, we have a problem. All right, let's do a couple more questions and comments, and then we will get ready for tomorrow's big day. My goodness, I am so excited. Every team in the NBA is playing tomorrow. If you have multiple screens, have them on. Have, them on, have multiple games going, because that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to be scoreboard watching tomorrow. It is going to be a blast. Oh, somebody brought up a good point, though. Brandon Smith from Facebook said, if Allen doesn't go to Cleveland, we don't get Drummond. Maybe. Maybe they may have still released him, but yes, the, the the split between Drummond and the Cavs was largely because the Cavs told Drummond they wanted to start Jared Allen, and he wasn't down with that. So that's a good point. So from the Lakers' perspective, okay, thank you, thank you, Rockets, for whatever reason not wanting Jared Allen. Appreciate that. Also master lock the Clippers for tanking. Yeah, you know what? Like, see, here's the thing. As much as I want to clown the Clippers for tanking, and I guess we still can, I think it actually helped the Lakers because it guarantees that they don't play, the, like the Lakers and Clippers don't play each other. The Western Conference, think about this. The, the rest of the Western Conference has got to be so disappointed. They were hoping that round one would see Lakers-Clippers because then no matter what, 
when the dust settles, one of those teams is gone. And like I said, I think those are the top two teams in the West right now. I think those are the teams that are the scariest heading into the playoffs. And, you know, regardless of seeding. And the rest of the West had to be looking at that going, yes, yes, one of them will be gone in the first round. And now that's not going to happen. Now you could have both of them still alive after the first round. And so the West has got to be disappointed. Now, if the Lakers finish seven, how angry are the Phoenix Suns going to be? I mean, really, this is their best season in how many years? Like 10 years? They haven't made the playoffs in ages. And they finally have this great season. And their reward could very well be playing the reigning defending 17-time NBA champs in round one. And look, if, if the Suns knocked them off, if the Suns beat the Lakers, that's a major feather in their cap. I get it, but I'm sure that's not the path they want to go down. They would prefer to not see the Lakers in round one. And I think the Lakers have a lot of matchup advantages with the Suns. Phoenix can't be happy with the way things are playing out. As much as I said, Lakers fans are Nuggets fans tomorrow, hoping that Denver wins. Suns fans, it might be even more true for Suns fans are Nuggets fans tomorrow, hoping that the Lakers are the team that gets the sixth seed and it's Portland sitting in seven and potentially, depending on how the playing tournament goes, seeing the Suns in round one. Going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, somebody threw in Nuggets will tank. Yeah, I can definitely see that that happening, though. Again, that is what I believe will be the most likely scenario. It's that the Nuggets will not go all out tomorrow. All right, guys. Let's um, let's call it there. Let's call it right there. Appreciate all of you guys joining me and breaking all this down and talking about the Lakers win over the Pacers. But let's face it, we are mostly talking about playoff seating and kind of what happens moving forward. Uh, it does set up for what's going to be a very exciting day tomorrow. We're going to be scoreboard watching. We're going to be keeping an eye on Golden State Warriors and Memphis Grizzlies. We're also going to be keeping an eye, of course, on Clippers versus Thunder and Portland versus Denver. Most important game for the Lakers in the immediate future is probably Portland and Denver. That's that's the one to keep a really close eye on and see what happens there. But I'll have multiple screens going. Hopefully you guys will as well. And then we will do our um, our post-game show right after. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining me. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And it's really important also that you turn on notifications. Hey, get those turned on. That way you get notified every time a new video comes out. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.